Hello ladies and gents and this week's guest is Nicola Joyce. So she is absolutely brilliant. One of the most animated people you'll ever meet and amazing at telling stories. But not only is she good at telling stories, good at copywriting, she's actually achieved like some really cool things like uh, swimming the channel, swimming around Jersey, uh, competing in bodybuilding and other things and she just has a general generally a really great demeanor and a really cool story um, but most importantly she's funny as fuck so enjoy the show hello ladies and gents welcome to another episode of behind the brain podcast and today's lovely guest we have nicola joyce now nicola joyce has been working in the fitness industry for bloody nearly as old as myself so she's been oh. doing it for a long time i didn't mean that in a nasty way by the way i just realized <laughs> how that sounded that's fine that's fine that, that just means that nicola has a lot of experience in the fitness mm. industry um but also what i've uh, come to understand uh, recently is some of the achievements that uh, nicola has uh, accomplished actually some of the things i've done i always think yeah that's quite cool but actually some of the things you do, do have done sorry just put my just make mine look shit and terrible but um, <laughs> what what sort of got you into the fitness space in terms of work or in terms of my own fitness personal business? so not personal. work it's a funny one actually and I don't really know because I was kind of sporty as a kid but also totally not like I was not that sporty child I was always like outdoorsy and active but then I'm so very old, James. This is like before we had televisions and like shoes. You're not that old. Stuff. Come on. You and it Tanya, before, we're, I thought you was, was in your 30s. Stuff, though. It, we had like an Atari or whatever, one of those computer, those gaming systems are where you put the cassette tape in. So yeah, yeah, to be honest. And I did live in the countryside. So I was outdoorsy. I swam as a kid, like in a squad. But honestly, I was so rubbish. So don't think anything of that. But, you know, I did go to actual like swimming team lessons sessions I suppose but no I wasn't sporty I didn't do any team sport or anything like that I wasn't particularly sporty at school in fact I was not sporty at all at school so it really started when I went to uni I think which I think is quite I've been thinking about this because I kind of thought you might ask me a few of these things and I've sort of been thinking when did it start and why and I think it was because when I went to uni I just it was a sort of a break for me and you, you know it's a time in your life where you've got the opportunity to sort of create your own identity I think mm. and not I don't think I did it in a a conscious way like oh I'm throwing the shackles of, away and I'm recreating myself nothing like that because there was nothing wrong with who I had been at home mm. but I think I was just like oh I'm here now what do I want to do and something something in my mind made me think I really want to try a load of sporty stuff and I just signed up to a load of stuff in Freshers Week um I joined the swim team there as well because I knew I would want to carry on with swimming um and and that's it really I kind of got involved in a few kind of random different sports at uni and then at some point someone sort of challenged me to do a half marathon and I trained for that I'm one of those people I just kind of like sure and then mm. That was kind of it and then in terms of the gym and the weight side of it I think looking back it was just that I did start doing like body pump and stuff like everyone does this is after uni this is when I've mm. oh we're jumping ahead a bit but when I'm sort of settled in Berkshire which is where I lived before this um I joined a gym and I did like um body pump and stuff like that just classes and I thought it sounded cool and a friend of mine was training to be a PT and he 
just asked me if I'd be like his case study or whatever. Demo. And so yeah. we trained. And that was my first taste of proper <clears throat> nutrition plan and a proper weights program, really. And I just loved it. So that's kind of a, a fast forward from that. But as to why I ever sort of started being sporty at, at uni, because I could have gone anyway, couldn't I? I could have mm-hmm. joined any any clubs. But I think I've always liked, I've always definitely loved my own time and doing my own thing and just sodding off by myself doing weird stuff so I think that's probably quite a lot of it really because I've never done team sports CrossFit which I do at the minute is the closest I've ever got to like working yeah. with other people in a <laughs> I'm normally just a me yeah just do it by myself kind of no person. one lets you down then it's only you sat you and you exactly. and whatever event you're doing isn't it essentially yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. what did so what did you study at uni? And also, would you, because I've never been to university, would you say that that part of your life is, would you say university for most people is like a character building phase because of the age you are, you're quite impressionable at that age usually, aren't you? Yeah, I guess so. Um, so I studied um, English literature and theatre studies at undergrad. And then I did a master's in what was called contemporary literary theory, which basically means the theory of studying literature. Mm. It wasn't studying the books as much. It was studying the books that study the books. Um, so, and, and yeah, for sure it's character building, but then who knows what would have been character building if I hadn't gone. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. I hadn't gone to uni and I'd either gone to local college or I'd gone straight into the workplace, that would have been character building as well, I'm sure. Mm. But I know what you mean. Yes, it definitely was. Mm. You know, I was a long way away from home. I live in Kent. I went up to Lancaster, met friends, you know, that I'm still literally best friends with to this mm. day really enjoyed studying really enjoyed like finding my feet with what I like doing in life mm. so yeah it, it for sure is but I think anything would be at that age wouldn't it so you've always had obviously a bit of a passion for writing then so let's dip into the business now then so let's start yeah, into that yeah. and then we'll come back to some of the accomplishments that you've achieved so yeah. when did you sort of I suppose get into like the fitness side of it why was you attracted to I suppose our industry well i'm one of those people who you know like sometimes people ask you what did you want to be when you grow up you like an astronaut or a vet and then i realized i didn't like science i wasn't one of those people i always wanted to be a journalist and wow. i'm not a journalist now i'm a copywriter but when i started out freelance i was well i wrote features which isn't real mm. journalism but it's you know the job title is journalist so i am one of those people who and i'm talking at like seven or eight years old i've wow. still got like books i used to write really bad short stories that were always Mm. the same they're always about a girl who finds a pony and trains the pony and wins a race (laughs) they were always the same but you know yeah have your niche you're the best storyteller by the way as well i love the way you tell stuff you're so good at this shit (laughs) this is it and i always was obsessed with magazines as well Mm. when i was like teenager and i've still got all of those and actually again i said i've been thinking about this interview during the week i remember now um, this is a memory that popped up from nowhere in some magazine. I couldn't tell you what it was. There was a feature about a woman who had basically done a bodybuilding prep, but it wasn't for that. It was it was basically what we would now call a client transformation for a photo shoot. Yeah. But this was in the, probably the early 90s. And I was just transfixed by it. I tore it out of the magazine. I've probably still got it somewhere. And that made a real impression on me. And I think that probably jumping forward to when I did bodybuilding comps, I think that was probably in the back of my mind somewhere. I just thought she was so cool because I was like, oh, you look a bit weird. You don't look traditionally feminine. Yeah. You know, she's got herself super lean, obviously, yeah. tanned and stuff. And 
I was just like, hmm, I can't exactly say that's attractively feminine for what was on trend in the mid 90s. Mm. It definitely wasn't. But I was like, yeah, that's cool. And she really documented it really honestly about how hard it was. And I was just, I was really interested by it. So that's kind of where the magazines and maybe the fitness stuff intersects. Um, and then in terms of work, so yeah, went to uni, did your normal kind of weird random jobs after uni where you don't know what the hell you're trying to do anyway, you just get some money. Then I eventually moved to London and I got a job that I don't even know if it still exists anymore. It's called conference production. It's like, okay. you remember back in the day when people used to actually go to conferences face-to-face -face yeah. with people? Yeah, yeah, and sometimes yeah. even like pay plane tickets to go to other countries. Yeah. You know, My clients yeah. literally going to New York on Monday to go okay. to a few conferences. So. so the conference your client is going to will have been written and put together by someone who is the job I used to be. Yeah. So it wasn't like the logistics of booking the hotel and putting the chairs out and the catering. It was literally quite similar to what I have to do now as a copywriter, really, in terms of skills. Um, you were given a topic and I was in the finance and telecoms department. So nothing I knew anything about or cared about. So it was, I wasn't interested in it. You were given a topic and you were literally given, I think it was a three week cycle to find out all like the trending topics about this thing, like what mm. keeps people up at night. And you had to do that by ringing people out of the blue, like head of risk in finance at Barclays Bank. Just ring them up and be like, hello, my name's Nicola from such and such a company. What's keeping you up at night in terms of the industry? I don't know how I did it, but that was what the job was. So you research, basically it's called research. Yeah. You'd research and from that you would put together the actual structure of the conference. So eight talks or whatever. Then you'd have to go, oh, I might ring up um, head of corporate finance at Deutsche Bank and ask him if he wants to come and give this talk for no money. <laughs> that was my job so research persuading people to do stuff and then copywriting as well I mean we didn't call it copywriting at the time but when I started at that company it was quite a big company it's now been merged with a publishing house it's quite a well-known company um media company they trained me in what I now know is copywriting they trained me in how to write those brochures they trained me into how to write the talks with a headline mm -hmm. and bullet points and summaries they trained me in how to write emails to people persuading them to come and give a talk for no money they trained me to, to write like onboarding stuff. Um, so it's interesting. That was actually the start of my copywriting journey. I just didn't know it. No, yeah. Then I was made redundant. Isn't that always the turning point for so many people? I was made redundant. And um, this is bringing us on to my weird and wonderful sporting life. I was about to swim the channel at the time. And I thought to myself, I what age? To, like when I wanted to be, uh, what age? 2004. So 26, 27. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was about to do that and I didn't want to get another conference job at all. No. What I wanted to do was be a journalist, which is what I'd always wanted to do. So I thought to myself, look, I've been made redundant. This is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity. If I can't get my foot in the door at a sports magazine with a first person piece about swimming the channel, I am not going to make it as a journalist, right? <laughs> so that's what I did. And that that's that. And that's kind of how that particular ball started to roll with the journalism mm. and then the copywriting came in further down the line as, as my career evolved I suppose. Quick question can you define copywriting for me? Um, can I define copywriting? I always like to say as if people think like if you think of a photographer 
you might have a photographer who does like family shoots or you yeah. might have a photographer who photographs things for weddings adverts. yeah or something oh yeah right okay so yeah. personal and corporate so copywriting and journalism are a little bit like that's the difference so journalism is more editorial and copywriting is more um commercial so copywriting really is writing words that will persuade people to do stuff ah isn't it really yeah whether it's the hard end of it like to sell something right away mm. like sell a really expensive watch or a car like direct response stuff or whether it's just to persuade them to be on board with a brand to like it or whether it's to persuade them to sign up to your thing or tell people about you yeah wow yeah i, I know it's just like yeah commercial writing but not commercials like adverts i think so thank you for that <laughs> So you, you obviously get to start to work at this magazine and you've got this swim. So with it, are you working for this magazine whilst you're going to do this no, swim? freelance. Right, got you. Freelance. I just yeah. went, I'm just going to make some money and I don't know how to do it. I don't even know about like the tax man and stuff. So let's just go swimming. I'll work it out. I'll work it out at the same, at the same time as I'm working out how to swim the channel. It'll be, be fine. I'm sure it's fine. So how did you swim the channel? Well, just oh, coming sorry. back to that, my theory on life in general is I'm never going to be the first person to do anything mm. because there's billions of people in the world. So if someone's done it before me, I can work out how to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's not no like major drama. If someone's done it before, mm. then it can be done or I, I can at least work out how to try and do it. So Yeah, that's quite good, though. That obviously shows like obviously I've only known you for a couple months and like when what you sent over to me this week and I read over like what's quite nice to see is obviously you've got you've got a, a quite a strong belief in your capabilities which is quite yeah I have but I don't know why particularly no but like what you was just saying then is that you understand that someone else has done that yeah and you know that means if you put your mind to it you can do it which is just nice to obviously see I like seeing that stuff yeah I will say I'm quite selective with it, though. People have said that to me before, and I'm like, uh, yeah, but do you notice that the only things I've ever tried to do are things that I pretty much know I can do? Swimming mm. the channel. Obviously, it's really super hard, and people do die doing it, but I'm a swimmer. Yeah. Bodybuilding. Yeah. yeah. I'm strong, and I've naturally got quite a balanced physique. Do you notice me trying to be, like, the world's fastest downhill skier? No, because I'm shit scared of falling yeah. over on the ice. <laughs> So I'm, I'm quite smart with selecting the things I'm wow so crazily freakishly good at. Oh, oh, Nicola, you're such a legend. No, I'm actually quite no. good at this. I've done this for years, mate. No, Chill just, out. Like I'm not. I'm never going to yeah. want to climb a mountain because I don't like climbing up things and then climbing cardio. Down like, apart I from have swimming, no interest in it. Like, yeah. I have I have no interest in working out all the shit you need to climb Everest. But some mm. people that would be like their life's goal. It's it's not like like a life goal for me. It's something that I think would be cool, but you know, I it's it's mm. something that I'd really weigh up the pros and the cons of. Do you know I mean like obviously mm. it costs you about sixty to eighty grand to do it? But the sort of I've like I've read and listened to a lot of people that have climbed out Everest and it's mm. amazing, but to hear to fit to some people you look up to and you listen to the things that they go through and you're like that bloke nearly died and he's like ex sbs or sas legend yeah, yeah, yeah. absolute hard nails bloke do you know what I mean? but like i know that's my limiting belief 
but still you know there's a lot of pros and cons to that sensible i think it's sensible with these things to combine you know the concept of not having any limiting beliefs with being sensible and that's not to say don't do anything in life because you should be boring and sensible but especially as you get a bit older you know it's Mm. like well i could people say to me will you swim in the channel again because we'll we'll come on to all that in a sec and i'm like "Mm, i don't think so and it's not because i'm scared Mm. to do it and it's not because i'd be scared to fail it or anything like that it's Mm. just i know how bloody long the training takes i know Mm. how but the swim itself like anything like bodybuilding the day itself of the comp that's not the big deal that's that's doable it's everything you have to do leading up to it so you, you, I think it's sensible to you mm. know, weigh up. Things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you've gone freelance and you're about to swim the channel. Let's get to yes. it. So swimming the channel, I have no idea why I wanted to do it. I've got a few theories. One is that I'm, I mean, I'm back here now. I'm back where I grew up in, in Folkestone. So literally when I walked to primary school, you walk along the sea. And I did, I grew up knowing about people that do it. Mm. I don't think that's enough of a compelling reason, really. Um, I had a book when I was younger, which I absolutely loved, where one of the characters in it was the first woman to swim the channel. It wasn't the real first woman, but never mm. mind. Um, so I do think that might have sowed the thought in my mind, actually. But I don't know. It's not. I didn't grow up like really wanting to do it, like writing it in my diary every year. Oh, I can't wait till I'm old enough or anything like that. No, not at all. Mm. I think I just, I think I just, I don't know, actually. I was about to say I think I just felt finally like settled in my adult life but I wasn't yeah. really it wasn't that long out you know finding mm. a job and things like not that. at that age as well you're not really settled are you yeah who knows why I did it I think I just had had a random idea based on skills that I've got and a landscape that I knew yeah like not Everest you know a sea that I'd seen my whole life and just thought well I know it can be done and that sounds like something I might do <laughs> But I will say, I mean, I'm I'm a funny mix of someone who I, I sound very impulsive with things, but I'm not. People, yeah. what people see, how impulsive. What yeah. they don't see is all the stuff that's been going on in here sometimes for years. So people yeah. always say to me, "Oh, you just do things so quickly." It's like, and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." No, I've been thinking about it for ages. So I had been thinking about it for a while, and also I trained for ages. So I trained. So I swam in 2004 the first time. So I trained all the summer of 2003 in the sea down here. Then I carried on training all winter in pools, obviously. Um, and then I started training again. They start in April. They started the May, May Day bank holiday or the, whatever the first bank holiday is down in yeah. the sea of the, the year I had my swim booked. So I essentially swim. I essentially trained for over a year, most of it in cold water. So, yeah. I did With, all the stuff you meant to do. How, what's, I'm interested in like the ski and manoeuvre of that on the day. What's that? Do you have like a mate with a boat and just like follow me, geese, or do, or is it like uh, an uh, well, like yeah, you pay yeah. someone they do it all? Oh, for sure, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you what you want to do is you ring up or contact the federation. There's two federations. It's like any niche sport. There was one and then it split. I mean, how many sports do you know where that happened? Right, it's so silly. Anyway, there's two. So you ring up one of them and you say i would like to swim i mean this is back in the day i imagine it's a lot harder now simply because of numbers but back in Mm. the day there were like 10 people that did it well i remember being on the beach training with like eight people and now apparently there's so many that they give you like numbered swim hats and tick you off a list and stuff so i think the sport has grown a lot since i first did it anyway um so you contact the federation you say hello i'd like to swim please 
they say that will be £2,000-ish when I did it, and that was mm. 2004. And what happens is you get you get given a tide, and if you bear in mind you can only swim on neap tides, mm. or that, that's not true because my second swim I did on a spring tide, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, so you're, you're meant to only spring, uh, swim on a neap tide, which is twice a month, and within that tide, there'll be four slots. So what you want to do is you want to be number one on a slot, right? Because if the whole tide gets blown out by bad weather, which it will do, you won't get to go. No. And that happens a lot. So that's how you do it. Um, and then if your swim slot comes up and the weather's all right, it's, there's so many variables. It's actually a miracle it ever goes ahead. Because mm. um, it's all up to the pilot, the, po- the boat guy. It's up to him. He won't go if it's not safer. Um, so you get given a pilot and a boat. And that's what they call them. Don't know why. I was going to say I was going to go al capitan, but no. Yeah, no, don't know why they call them a pilot. Yeah. So um, you will be told often at very last minute you're going tomorrow. Come be at the marina at like two o'clock in the morning or whatever. Mine both happen to start at two in the morning, um, and you're like, okay, see you there. So you get in the boat in the marina, and then yeah. it goes and it takes you out a short way, like half an hour or something, just around where the swim starts. It takes you to about. 400 yards off the coast off the, the land i suppose you jump in you swim to the land you mm. go so they can see because you the swim starts and ends when you're free of water mm. so you can't just have like one toe mm. you've got to like be completely free of water you go and ready the, the boat goes and then you start swimming and yeah, yeah i might i might release sorry i might release this episode on youtube so people can see your facial uh, expressions it's the best <laughs> Oh no, I forgot we're on video because I'm not looking at myself. I'm just looking at you. I'm like, oh, I am. <laughs> this is the best. Oh, I oh, never God, think about sorry. these things. I never sort of think, oh. No, don't. No, don't ruin it. Don't stop. Oh, what have I done? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then so you swim. You do. You said you swim alongside the boat. You do. Yeah. The boat obviously knows where it's going. Um, you essentially go in a straight line. I wish I had my charts up here. They're downstairs. But mm. you essentially swim in a straight line. But because the tide goes how a tide goes. Yeah. You end up having an S shape like that because your yeah. straight line has gone. Ah. Unless you're very fast. Unless you're yeah. fast enough to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the boat goes and you just go <laughs> alongside it or slightly, but you don't want to go behind it because of the diesel fumes. But yeah. How long does it take? It took me 14 hours 15 the first wow. time. Wow. Wicked. 14 hours 27 the second time. God. How random is that? And is that just one continuous? blurb no no stop him oh throw me a banana mate treading water no oh, no, no, no. no you you feed, oh you do get to eat feed, oh, but good the point is you have to be you have to try and be quite well what you're meant to do if you ever watch any of the amazing channel swimmers who do it in like six hours they swim 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 a feed is being prepared for them and obviously you can see it they go like this onto their back they catch their feed like this which is thrown to them in a bottle they go and then they go so they don't even stop wow i didn't do that <laughs> But the point is, you're not meant to stop for too long because you'd be dragged back. Yeah, so yeah. you want to bob about and go back 800 yards, be my guest, but you don't God. want to, let me tell you. I bet that, like, when you're out at that far as well, I bet it just rips you that far back like, easily if it wants to, obviously. Yeah, 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 it can do. And you can feel it as well. You can feel when you're in a tidal bit. The resistance. So anyway, second time, you obviously got yeah. the time down. Oh, time went up. Time went up. Yeah. So that was in 2004 was my first swim. And then I think I'm right in saying the second, the year after that, I did a 
two-way relay. So you can do it as a solo swimmer, just one okay. person. Get in. Okay. Um, or you can get together with a load of mates. It's normally six. It can be two, whatever yeah. you want. And you do it in rotation an hour each. And we, okay. me and a, a group of friends did that there and back. Never again. No what? Horrific. Well, first of all, the weather was so bad that yeah. we ended up off the chart. So you get what's called a swim chart, which is just a map of the sea ours went off ours isn't on it because we went so far off the edge that, oh, that wow. there is no map yeah it took us 31 hours i think it was so rough on the way out that i was being sick and i'm not particularly a seasick person i, mm. I had like half a banana for a, a whole one leg of the swim i was yeah. so ill yeah. i wanted to kill myself like yeah. not not joking i was literally I going the hey, I'm jump over the edge and die they were like no you're not get in it's mostly because it's awful because if you think about it you've got six so six hours you swim for one you've then got five hours to take your cozy off and get dry and get warm maybe try and sleep for a bit mm. maybe try and eat something and drink some water then mm. someone wakes you up shakes you and goes you're going in an hour and 45 minutes it's soul destroying yeah getting into that wet clothing as well the whole thing myself yeah it's horrible yeah so no No. so that was that and then the year after that i swam around jersey okay Um, what made you just decide to do that um the channel swimming community is really quite small like most weird sports and one of the legends of the channel swimming world is a lady called sally who is in charge of the jersey long distance community so Mm. it was more just it was like, I don't know, it's like if you're into strongman yeah. and you get to know some guy called Mick and he says, come and do my comp at some point. Yeah, I yeah, live yeah. in Northampton and you go, all right, Mick, I will. Kind of like that, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Ish. Um, so, yeah, I did that. And then... What was the, bl- the, what was the person's name, by the way, who invited you to the comp? It wasn't Mick, was it? The Jersey. <laughs> what, the Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. But there is a Mick, actually. No, her name's Sally. Okay, Sally. <laughs> um sally and charlie uh so yeah then the next swim i wanted to do after that was called jersey to france which is obviously jersey to france. and i trained and trained all year it's about the same as the channel and it just kept getting blown out and i knew it wasn't going to happen like literally i was like this swim is it's getting towards the end of the season they've got so many swimmers lined up they've only got one boat mm. it's not going to happen and you're so, you're in training while this is all going on aren't you still yeah, ticking yeah, yeah. over oh, Oh, yeah. I was ready. I was, yeah, I trained yeah. for a swim. And I was like, this isn't going to happen. So I, unbeknownst to anyone, I did not tell anybody, even my husband at the time, now ex-husband, I rang up the channel swimming lot and I was like, any chance I can go quite soon? And they were like, only if you go on a spring tide, which is when the moon is full, which is not really, you can do it. It's not a big mm. deal, but it's not done. It's not, it's not normal. Mm. I was like, yeah, all right then. They were like, well, Lance is free, who, who was my pilot from my first swim. I was like, yeah, go on then. When, when should we go? He was like, can you be here at six o'clock tonight? No, can you be here at midnight? And it was six o'clock at night at this point. <laughs> you hadn't had all your food, you didn't have all your nutrition or anything sorted and nothing, you know what I mean? Wow. No, I didn't have any people to go on my boat. My husband couldn't come because it was in the middle of the week and he basically got home from work. And I was like, um, so I've just been on the phone to Lance and he, I might go tomorrow. He was like, go, what, go where? Go what? <laughs> Luckily, my dad lives in Folkestone, so I rang him and I was like, can I come and just um, like throw a bag at your house because I'm going to swim the channel? Yeah. And luckily, a couple of my channel swimming mates were free. I was like, do you want to come on a boat? But yeah, that's what I did for the second one. Wow. And I had the best day. Like, 
no movement on the water at all like you know when water is so calm that you can like see like mm. cross hatch patterns it was that it's yeah. boiling hot um yeah Wow! What a like, what completely wow! What a completely it different experience. Like a comedy, a comedy day out with my and two you, stupid mates on the boat, like making faces at me. <laughs> and you want you know that is like one of those moments where um, uh, the impulse has actually kicked in, isn't it? Even though you knew you was ready, yeah. if you wasn't ready, you would have said no, of course. Well, no, I mean, I was very, very ready. I just wasn't mm. ready for that swim. I was yeah. completely ready for Jersey to France. Yeah. You see what I mean? So when mm. you say you didn't have nutrition ready, no, I didn't yeah. have it ready, mixed up ready, yeah. but I had the products and okay, I had perfect. everything I needed to have. It was just, it was just like, yeah, can you get here at midnight? Uh, all right. Okay. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so after the swimming what was your next endeavor hmm. or endeavors so, after swimming i can't remember the timelines exactly so that second channel swim was 2008 um i think i just had a little rest to be honest with you and then i got back into running and stuff which i'd always done quite a lot of um and because i did quite a lot of triathlon mm. back in the day as well um so yeah, I did a bit of running and a bit of biking. I love road, road cycling, um, did a bit of biking. And then, when was the bodybuilding? It was sometime in like 2010. Mm. And again, random thing, why? I have no idea. Basically, I just sort of started following like bodybuilding blogs and stuff like that. And I got in touch with this woman who's in Australia now, but we we're really good friends. Um, I didn't know her. I just read her blog and I was like, oh, this sounds cool. Do you reckon I could do it? Not bodybuilding, by the way. Mm. At this point, I had no idea what bodybuilding comps even entails, just like bodybuilding as in like body re recomp stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm a bit bored of doing endurance stuff. I, I know I like weight training. Do you reckon we could just do a little 12 or 20 week thing and see yeah. what happens? And she was like, yes, absolutely. She was like, I can see from your shape that you're very balanced and stuff. So it, mm. you know, this will work well. You don't need to really put on much muscle. Um, you know, we got a good start point. So that's what we did. We did like essentially a client transformation. And she said, and she will rue the day she said this, she was like, oh, you could enter a bodybuilding cup. You've got exactly like the shape they look for. And I was yeah. like, oh, what now? Oh, what? <laughs> what is one of them? <laughs> So I was just like, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Where, where are they? And she had been a figure competitor with the natural right. federations. And she was like, well, I know, you know, there's this comp, there's that comp. This one's quite a local one. This, and I was like, sounds all right, let's do it then. So we did a prep. And fortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, I won and got mm. the thing to the finals. And obviously, me being me, I'm not going to go, oh, no, you're all right. I'll, I'll just do the one. I'll leave it there. No. I was like, Yeah. <laughs> And then that ended up being like 16 comps. Wow. Yeah. That's mental, and isn't as it? And with anything, the more you know, the more serious you take it, the yeah. more obsessive you get, the more, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I think 16 that's the comps. first comp. Yeah. And how, was, how, much, how long was that spread over the years? Six years. Six years. Wow. Didn't compete every year. So 2011 was my first one and 2016 was my last one. And I think I had one or maybe two years where I didn't compete. Was you yeah. properly immersed in fitness writing space at that time as well? Because you're in it, aren't you? You are literally yeah, exactly. in it then as well. Oh, yeah. I, so I started writing exclusively for fitness, either copywriting clients or journalism publications in 2007, I think. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, that's really helped. What stopped you from doing any more competitions? Because that's quite, that's quite six years, 16 comps. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. I got worse and worse progressively because yeah. food issues, like okay. I was, the food stuff did not, no. did not work well for my head, put it that way. So mm. I was battling more and more every time, mm. quite honestly. And it showed in my physique. Like it's a real shame. Mm. I wish I was a better dieter quite honestly because I was probably one of the biggest up there mm. you know I, I put on muscle touch wood really easily and I've always mm. loved training and stuff um but yeah I just peaked in probably 2012 yeah and then from then on I just couldn't get the condition because I just was battling, battling yeah and you're sort of ch chasing that previous that was miserable and yeah. it was really miserable I got in a really really bad place for that, mm. actually and I think it was probably more that actually one thing was that you know I saw that I wasn't really getting any better and the girls coming up were just fantastic so for me mm. to so I went to worlds I went to the um one of the natural worlds and I won there you know there wasn't there weren't many people there so it wasn't like a huge win but still mm. so I got a world mm. title so and I lost out on a pro pro card, card by thing, a yeah. judge's yeah. decision once so I did I got yeah. to that hairline yeah point twice so i think what it was for me was that i was like right here i am where do i go from here if i want to win a pro title or i want to win at worlds again but be better i've got to really be better and for me mm. i don't think i can do it i don't think i've got mm. any more in me because mm. i've already given everything i've got and it, it really wasn't good enough because yeah. it was messing with my head so much and i saw the other people coming through and i was like wow this is like a whole new generation these mm. women are literally you know miles ahead of where i am at my best so mm. really i think i just realized you know it, it wasn't the sport for me i loved it i did love it i made amazing friends um i loved the whole community of it i really did and i mm. loved what i learned about myself through it for absolutely sure i wouldn't you know i don't regret a minute of it but i think i just woke up just soon enough to the fact that mm, it's ran its course for me yeah. this mm. sport isn't the healthiest for me um mm. and yeah it's very self-absorbent mm. it's very self-indulgent it's very you know you know what it's like you, you mm. can't do a lot of stuff you have to shut yourself away from a lot of things especially um, when you're at that level where you're actually you know yeah. there's there's training in the gym as in bodybuilding just to build muscle mm. and then there's actually when people compete when you're doing off yeah. seasons you know which are just important when you're in season right in this day and that's, age yeah that's the bit that, that makes it such an unsociable sport because you know i've also i've also done like powerlifting comps yeah um, we'll touch on that as well stuff like that but what i'm trying yeah. to say with that is you know the training for that never encroached on anything not at all even if mm. i'm away for the weekend the amount of times i've gone away for the weekend and found a local gym not a problem mm. it's mm. just the food side of it and the obsession that comes yeah. with the food and the having to do the check-in photos and the having to do posing practice it's mm. not it, yeah well for me maybe it comes a second job away, but... no no yeah. i've, I've oh, spoke sure. to i've spoke to people about it like i've had um, a friend of mine on here um mm. and she you know, experienced, uh, had a different, different experience than you, but like similar things. And I think you, you'd actually be surprised at how many people sort of go through that process. Like I look at bodybuilding competitions as it's for a very select few. You've got to have a certain mindset to get to that place and, you know, re retain who you are as a person. It's quite, it's quite sure, a tough yeah. thing to it do, is. isn't it? 
you from know. that point of view it is and it also is from the point of view of a sport because it's not a performance sport mm. it's not like I could be the strongest person on that stage I could mm. be the only person on that stage who's the channel and things like that. Yeah. none of these things matter it literally yeah. all comes down to it. and obviously that's what it is that's literally yeah. a sport but that always didn't sit too well with me as well because I love training and I love mm. lifting and it always seems a bit of a shame to me that it's like we've trained our asses off to be up here but you judges yeah will never know any of that you won't ask us anything we don't need to prove it like yeah and that's the, i suppose yeah. a tough comparison if you look at like powerlifting you either hit the number or you don't whereas right, when you go exactly. like we said bodybuilding you've got these guys and if they just don't like the look of you for whatever reason it is and it's mm -hmm. not your day even though you've given it your 100 percent throughout the whole prep yeah. haven't done anything and they're like but yeah and that's quite tough that's what i mean you have a thick skin yeah. in that in, you yes. know yes, in that industry yeah for sure anyway let's go on to the fun stuff yeah. powerlifting after this was it no so powerlifting ah. i didn't do much of i just did a little bit of it on yeah. the years that i took off bodybuilding right because i just i wanted to keep doing i wanted to keep like having a focus for the gym yeah but i wanted to eat some food okay <laughs> so did you so, always so when you got in sorry when you got into powerlifting did you always know that you go back to bodybuilding yeah okay yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like a departure from it. Yeah. It was just like, oh, what can I do? What can I train for this year? And I knew lots of people that did it. So it wasn't mm. that difficult for me to like mm. work out the logistics and mm. what comps to enter and stuff. Mm. Wow. And I trained in a powerlifting gym, which really helped as well. Like a proper one with this quite a famous one down here with like monolift and proper. Yeah, yeah. Because I've seen I've seen your photos and you've got like the plates that don't even make you look that strong because they're obviously the thin ones aren't the they you ones, know the alico yeah. ones and you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. they made this like 150 kilos so but it looks yeah. like you've got like 20 <laughs> on there yeah yeah so that what what on from that so past like was is would you say that bodybuilding is your last proper say fitness endeavor well yeah i mean obviously i'm doing crossfit now i am that total cliche but the thing mm. about crossfit is so so i finished bodybuilding in 2016 and quite mm. honestly for about well it must be three years I just sort of limped about aimlessly mm. feeling mm. well it took me a long time to get a handle on the food stuff I yeah. will be honest I trained all through it my mm. training never stops for me mm. um but the food stuff was a hard battle I'll be that's honest more common than you think as well I promise you that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um so it took me a lot of time to even yeah feel like happy and sort of outgoing because of mm. that i suppose um and then yeah i just joined a local gym and didn't really have a program and knew that i didn't i knew i didn't want a coach like even an online coach because i was so mm. not scared you got that association with what's gone on before yeah. that's all that is and that sounds awful because all anybody who ever prepped me i prepped myself for some of my comps and mm. other people prepped me for some of them. they were all fantastic i don't have a mm. bad word to say about any of them they were all very ethical did a great job you know but you're right you're right it is and you, just you, association i think you, you know i was just like i do not want to count any calories i do not want my fitness pal on my phone yeah i don't want i don't want anyone even checking up on me actually mm. Mm. you think back in... what happened because of that is that i didn't have a goal uh, back in well you think the first online coaches were only really bodybuilding coaches weren't they because yeah. actual personal trainers were just like one-to-one -one pts and that's yeah. it and then it's like over the last say five years it's gone like oh i can train joe public for an app actually they don't yeah. need me 
and the actually gym. i won't just give them a training plan and a um, nutrition help you there's a lot no. more to it now you know yeah. as you well know most of the guys now will help with all the sort of holistic stuff and will be a proper support like a friend but mm. i at that point i was it wasn't so much even that i thought it might be a bad experience because I have no problem telling someone I don't want this anymore. Goodbye. It wasn't that. Mm. It was more just, I didn't want, I just didn't want people checking up on me. Yeah. Enough of having to send photos of myself in my pants every Sunday morning. Just leave me alone. <laughs> leave know? me alone. I just want to lift. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I did. And I joined a gym or a couple of gyms actually. And I trained fine. But it got to the point where I just had no mojo. A couple mm. of other things popped up around here, like a hot pod yoga place, which I really yeah. loved. I went to yeah. that. So I started doing different things, good. which were probably really good for me, actually. But it got to the point where I was like, oh, my God, I'm literally going to the gym maybe once every three weeks. This yeah. is really but it's yeah. not bad, but it's not no. what I want. I want to train. Yeah. I want to train. And then the CrossFit place, which used to be in sort of the town 20 minutes over, they moved to Folkestone, which is where I live. And I, I messaged them. I was like, oh, we're in Folkestone. They said, well, we're not we're not actually in Folkestone. We're in the place that I live. They're literally 10 minutes walk. And I was like, ah, I've got no excuse. I was like, do you know what? I don't know if, I like, if I'm going to like it. Yeah. I might not like it. Yeah. Um, I might not get on with it at all. But I've mm. wanted to try it for so long because it looks so fun. Yeah. And I want to learn some new stuff. That's what mm. I want. I want some new challenges without having to compete. So yeah. I went, and that's that. That's two years ago, and the rest is history. So that's what I'm doing now. CrossFit. and still a bit of yoga, a lot of walking, blah, 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 other bits. But the CrossFit for me, I love it because even without having to compete, and I don't compete, mm. I'm still learning stuff. Like I had never yeah. done the Olympic lifts. Mm. Not it, I didn't even have the foggiest clue how to start doing them. So that was brand new learning all the gymnastic stuff all like going upside down on my hands you know at 40 yeah. years old yeah that's brand new and i think that's amazing to be as adults to learn something new how often do we do that not at all well we don't play anymore yeah. do we or anything like exactly. that exactly mm. so that's what i love you know people say to me oh you should compete are you going to compete and i'm like i don't really want to I need to i'm just having fun yeah like i'm getting pbs in the olympic lifts and being really really proud of myself yeah and like doing a handstand. <laughs> I don't know what that notification is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's um that's why so I do like CrossFit because of the way you know, sometimes I'll always question the way some certain things are coached and I'll always do oh, that yeah. because that's my high standard. Doesn't mean it's right. That's like yeah. just the way I am. But what I do like is the doors it opens like I'll tell you what, you you think you're strong and then you go into do an olympic lift you will be humbled like i remember the first time you know i'm like squatting over twice my body weight benching over twice my body weight deadlifting over tw twice my body weight and then i start learning snatches at like 30 kilos and i'm like what the hell do you know what oh, i mean yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, yeah. i'm getting a bit better now but for a couple yeah. of years at that place i said you know because they were always like you're so strong at like the deadlifting mm. and stuff mm. like that and i'm like yeah i'm fine all the while that both my feet are on the floor yeah once you ask me to start moving them about, or God forbid, lift them both in the air, at the yeah, yeah. i.e., a box jump. Yeah. No, so I am strong. I'm. I'm. Re I've got mm. like a 150 deadlift. I'm super strong. Yeah. If I'm just in one place, moving in one plane of motion. God, you are fucking strong. Else. <laughs> but you know, when you're asking me to like, yeah, triple extend and mm. come up on my toes, I'm like, <laughs> I tell you what, you're loud. I mean, it's learning. Once you once you get that technique with snatching, mm -hmm. 
because that's the, for me my the hardest part was always the first pull having the confidence in the first pull because you've got such a strong deadlift once you mm. grasp that you're going to be flinging yeah, yeah, yeah. 80 kilos oh, by my head easily definitely coming up yeah for sure up, but um yeah it's taken some time but that's good you know that's yeah. what you want if, if stuff was just quick it'd be boring wouldn't it well it, well it's um i'll tell you what it does it's it delays that gratification it's process isn't it because it's a skill mm. and it's a hard skill yeah it you know skill, and it yeah. delays that yeah i still haven't quite got to grips with box jumps though God. yeah they're, they're interesting that is scary and you know it do you want to smash your shins about... no i don't want to fall, I don't want to fall. <laughs> and they say what they say about crossfit is so true you know the community <coughs> side of it mm. and the yeah the community aspect it's it's so true you know i've made some great friends there mm. and they have um sort of comps and events raising money for members mm. kids or yeah sick relatives yeah. and stuff like that and it's true you know it's a real and i've never had that at any other gym the most yeah. i've ever had is getting to know people and maybe saying oh we seem to train at the same time shall we yeah. spot each other yeah J join it jump on this set bro <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you know laugh. crossfit it's like yeah. literally like, oh hi 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 yeah i love it no no that's that's the one thing they got right and that's definitely something our industry could take more from and yep. try and implement it in sort of yep. our own ways of how we do especially things especially now you know obviously with work i talk to a, a lot of operators and facility owners and stuff yeah um talking about like the post-covid stuff and that is so important now people mm. I think what we've all realized in the industry through covid is that people of course they want good equipment mm. and they want like good you know results and stuff but really what they want is just to have mm. fun and feel part yeah. of something and have Listen, something in their heard. life that they look forward to mm. you know let's jump back into business then because mm. i feel like we've um well this podcast is about you but i, I do want to touch <laughs> i do want to obviously touch on your business so mm. what what do you do now well, I obviously know this, but let's get the listeners you know, in. Yeah, so my business has evolved quite a lot. But I mean, I started out in 2004 or whatever it was. So evidently yeah. it's going to have done because copywriting has changed. You know, well, mm. social media is around mm. and email marketing. So, you know, copywriting has changed as I have changed and my skills have changed as well. So at the minute, I don't do any journalism. I haven't done any journalism for years and years. Um, so at the moment, I suppose I have two sides to my business, really. One side is copywriting for clients. So literally mm. someone will come to me and say, we need words for our website or I'm launching a product and I need words for the labels or whatever. People need mm. words for stuff mm. and I write the words for stuff. And then I have the coaching side, which is more how you know me. So mm -hmm. I do coaching with um, Tanya Filer at Nick and Tanya. I do my own coaching as well around content writing and I do okay. a bit of mentoring. So sort of two different ways to support different types of clients, I suppose. Mm. I suppose it's, like it's clients... cool. Sorry, go on. Sorry, sorry. No, no, just different types of clients. Like the clients that I write for are probably never going to want to be coached by me. Yeah. Um, which is why I started doing the coaching, because I realised there's a lot of people out there who would probably be better off learning how to do some of it, not mm. all of it, but some of it for themselves rather mm. than outsourcing um, and just encouraging the skills there. With the mentoring side of things, do you find that is that more people just in the fitness space? Yeah, again, I literally yeah. only work with people in the fitness space. Mm. And that's because I suppose, especially with the coaching, it would be applicable to anybody. But mm. I just, 
I, why why would I move out of the industry? And mm. I know a lot of people don't agree with that. A lot of people don't think that having a niche um, is necessary, but I really do, especially where you know everything we've talked about. It served you well, isn't it? Life and I, you know, do walk the talk. So I just think it's really useful to be able to talk to a client and talk either their language or if they're a business owner, talk their audience's language. You know, mm. if I'm writing for like a supplement company or something, or a shoe company. Yeah. I can be like, trust me, I absolutely understand why your client would want this shoe because yeah. I want because I wear that shoe or I wear shoes like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. just helps. Whereas yeah. if I was writing for, I don't know, oil and gas or like a plumber yeah. or something, I'd be like, mate, I don't understand the first thing about plumbing. So yeah. I don't know why someone would want this washer. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. No, well, you've you're you're massively well, you, you're massively invested in fitness in yourself, so you actually, and it's a it's a, it's a common playground for you, isn't it? I don't yeah. know if you can let us know, but who's the coolest person that you've done work with? I don't know about the coolest person, but I do. This isn't a lot. Not a lot of people know this because it's not um, coaching level okay. clients. I do a lot of work with um, people like UK Active. Yeah. and bucks and tenor yeah. gym and Les yeah. Mills and that kind of thing in terms of the stuff i tend to do with them is like think tanky stuff like when they get people together around a round table yeah. using their big brains to talk about like industry trends i tend to write the deliverables that come from that like white papers and and special reports and stuff and that is really cool because yeah. i get to sit i mean now these days it's on zoom but it used to be in a room hmm. with like just the coolest people who have been mm. in the industry for so long or they haven't and they've come to the industry from a different yeah, yeah. industry and i just i get to hear about trends that you know we're not talking about yet cause it's not yeah. point. or i get to hear about like data and studies about interesting stuff and what i always like about those jobs is that it always reminds me that the fitness industry is about so much more than online coaching and body transformations and stuff because mm. it is and it is, you know, inevitably when we're in a bubble, we think, oh, this bubble, you know, we know rationally it's not everything, but we think surely this is a big part of it. It's not. Mm. You know, the fitness industry or the physical activity sector, probably a better way to put it, is about, you know, disadvantaged groups of society. It's about people who don't have access to gyms. It's about older populations. It's mm. about kiddies and the fact that their school sports fields are being shut down do you know what i mean it's about yeah all bigger picture obesity it's about yeah so many things um mm. and that's why i like those jobs because not only do i get to talk to and hear from some fucking interesting people who have had such long interesting careers but yeah it just sort of reminds me wow you know what what i do most of the time is playing a part of a much much bigger industry it's much mm. more impactful and that's really important to me and that's another reason why i don't think i'd ever want to write for any other industry because i really think this industry is important yeah it's important. yeah massively important. it's as important as the education sector or something because it's about mm. people you know everybody's got a body <laughs> mm. so it's about making people healthier happier live longer and that's you know that's the bottom line isn't it thank you so i've got lots of other cool clients as well but I always feel most fulfilled. Yeah. Fulfilled, yeah. 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 No, no, I, I get that. Yeah. Have you got any 
other endeavors have you thought about? Is there anything? Is that because obviously um, people think you're impulsive, but there's a lot mm. of things going on behind. Have you? Is there anything you've yeah. seen or anything you thought? There really isn't at the moment, and no. I'm sorry if that's disappointing. But no, of course not. I, I was just wondering. Because, yeah, I think it's because when I stopped doing the last of the big sports things, I started focusing on business a lot more Yeah. and really enjoying building that, actually, and I was able mm. to do because I had the time and the bloody glucose in my brain to, uh, <laughs> to bring some business ideas to life. You know, I've really pushed my business on over the last yeah. few years, and I'm enjoying that, you know, and obviously it's also financially sound idea when you own your own home um so i think the next thing i would probably want to do i tell you what i just want to get back to pre-covid levels of um of events because there before covid there were all sorts of things i used to do like there's a 50 miler bike ride every yeah. year on my birthday weekend yeah, yeah and it's it's in this little well, starts and finishes in this village that i really love it's normally on my birthday weekend my yeah. dad normally marshals it with the rotary and it's just super fun yeah but that hasn't even been on for the last couple of years so yeah just stuff like that it's funny yeah. isn't it how those little little things yeah. that you like doing it, it's they've they're not back yet are they and you just i just mm -hmm. do hope that certain events and stuff like that do return and everything yeah. does become accessible again i hope these small businesses or these the, yeah these small businesses that have struggled come back you know by volunteers as well i think that's mm -hmm. the one like my, my dad and his rotary pals you've got to get get them out there yeah <laughs> bless your dad jab them and be like it'll be fine they can't infect you <laughs> right nicola i'm not gonna lie um i've basically had tears in my eyes and oh. i think i've got even more wrinkles from this bloody conversation oh, sorry, I, yeah, sorry. no just <laughs> just from bloody smiling so much oh. <laughs> so where can because legends like you people need to know yes. you where can people find you if they want coaching whatever they need from you where can they find you whatever they need from me or if they just want to have a chat or whatever i am the fit writer everywhere yeah mostly instagram like most people instagram is um my main the place the place but i am also on facebook um yeah yeah find me there we'll have a chat right nicola thank you so much for coming on the show thank today thank you very much it's been a pleasure thank you